escalate the same as the drug dealing. Bullets said I penetrate, riding on stolen plates. Did I mention my city was known for its murder rate? Live right by the capital, gangsta get the clapping, folks. High off gun smoke, my hood full of cutthroats. Going down the hill like my city was made slow. Gunshots every day, we don't even look. Eating dinner out the same kitchen, dope is cooked. I had an appetite for money, I'm hungry and can't wait. It's a Golden State heavyweight, riding no platinum plate, state to state, crushing grain. Something like a winery, labels try signing me. I'm something like the dynasty, mastered the arts, kept the skill in my rhymery. So I'ma chase paper, now the players stay eyeing me. Thing on my way, to turn a grown man side me. Rude boy, come test, I dare you one try with me. Got a full clip, I can empty off the side hey, of What's me. up, everybody? Welcome back to our new episode of the Mudville Cast podcasting man right here in our church big church in stockton and uh, and today we're gonna close our season two finale amen and we have a special guest i mean we have a powerful man of god that we're gonna be interviewing here today and also if you haven't already you can follow us on spotify you can find all our previous episodes right there on mudville cast you can also find us right there on youtube on the mudville cast and Facebook under Victory Outreach Stockton, amen. Praise the Lord. So I have the honor, amen, and, and, and the privilege to introduce our guest. He, uh, he's, he's been saved for uh, 26 years, 27 years? Yeah, 26 years. Man, I'm 30. He got saved when I was four years old. Come on now. And, um, and he's a minister right there in the, in the Victory Outreach San Diego Church, amen, right there. He, he, he's, uh, he's locking arms with one of our elders, Pastor Al Valdez. And he's been a full-time evangelist for the, pa- for the, for the past four years, almost, amen. So uh, help us welcome Evangelist Tim Rivara. Amen. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Abishai, for having me. And thank you, Pastor Carlos and Athena, for allowing me to come on to the podcast today. Amen. Well, it's great having you, Pastor. Well, it's exciting to be here. Yes, yes. Uh, I can say this. I've been watching your podcast since then. I was thinking, like, man, we got to do something like that in Stockton. Amen. You know, it was very encouraging to see you do that during the pandemic, you know, and you stepping into, the, into, the, into that realm. So, um. Maybe, maybe uh, if we, when we start, you could tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe uh, where you grew up, yeah. what city you were born at, um, you know, uh, siblings, family members. Okay, a little bit about myself. Well, you know, I like Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, you know, fun fact, uh, Chinese food, of course. But growing up, I grew up in Santa Maria, California. Mm. I was born and raised there. My parents are both of uh, Filipino descent. They came to America years ago. Uh, in the 70s, and I was raised in Santa Maria, California, and I just grew up uh, in a dysfunctional home. My parents divorced very early, eight years old, and so I started uh, the lifestyle of drug addiction at early as 11 years old, you know, so that was my life growing up in Santa Maria, California. Oh, wow. Wow, so... So what things did you, um, you know, like, like, for example, even for myself, being Hispanic, growing up in Stockton, there was certain uh, certain culture shocks that I experienced. Uh, what type of things did you experience being uh, Filipino descent, or uh, or maybe within that county? You know, I mean, did you experience uh, did you experience uh, like, for example, maybe people bullied you when you were younger, or maybe you know, uh, with the gangs. You know, like what was your experience living in that city at, at that young age? Yeah, I mean, there's two sides of the coin here. Number one, I was exposed to uh, a lot of religion, 
Mm. Uh, my parents believed in statues and they believed in certain things, superstitions. And, uh, you know, growing up, I didn't know what church was. It was a, to me, it was a quiet place. You go in, you did a, a certain sign on your forehead and you asked somebody to forgive you. Uh, I didn't really understand that. And then number two, I mean, it just, it just pushed me into a place of wanting to do drugs, wanting to be with friends. And again, coming from a dysfunctional family, mm -hmm. uh, my, my house was broken. So I was looking for acceptance. I was looking for uh, a lot of love because, you know, in that setting, I mean, as you know, you were in, involved in gangs. It deals with a lot of rejection mm -hmm. when people reject you and they talk about you, they criticize you, they put you down. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't experience bullying, um, but I did experience a lot of uh, criticisms, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of rejection. And that's what caused me to get into drug addiction. Oh, wow. Man, that's heavy. So, so like, a, what, like around what age would you say that you got exposed to a, uh, your first drug or the first temptation? Yeah. That was like, how old were you? Who introduced it to you? And how did it happen? Well, uh, I was 11 years old. And uh, again, going back to the religious background, my mom would try to make me go to church. Mm. Uh, kneel down and pray to a statue, but I didn't, you know, I didn't believe in all that. She even took me to a, uh, what we would call in the Spanish terms, a curandera. She would try to take me oh, to yeah, a, yeah. a healing doctor mm -hmm, and try mm -hmm. to put oil on me. And, um, you know, they believed in that stuff right. because they brought money to them. They paid them. Yeah. And at that point, I got turned off by that because I told that witch doctor, I go, you know, you're not real. You know, I don't believe in this. Mm. This is all satanic or I don't even know what it was. I really didn't know what it was at that time. But that's what caused me to do more drugs. And from there, I got involved with, you know, with addiction. And because of rejection, I was involved in an abusive relationship. I was involved in abusive rejection. And that's what really, that's what really triggered me to just start using drugs because I wanted to be accepted by people, you know? Mm. And I think that's what happens when you feel rejected or you feel, you know, uh, you know, you pushed out by people you love. Uh, you know, you try to get accepted somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you try to be something you're not. I remember I used I wanted to be a cholo. I wanted to be a rocker. I wanted to be a skater. <laughs> I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be the cool guy on campus. Mm. But because I couldn't find the identity, you know, then, you know, it just caused me to do more drugs. Wow. So uh, what's, what drug did you start it with? Well, I mean, every, we eventually graduate. Yeah, so yeah, for yeah. those that are watching, if, they, if they've ever done drugs or they've been addicted, I know that you probably have never done drugs in your life. But for me, <laughs> I've done, uh, I started with marijuana. Then from there, we went to cocaine from cocaine. It was like acid and from acid to tweak. And then finally, it just stopped, you know, and that's where I ended up just tweaking. You know, most people go to heroin or they'll go to other drugs. And again, it's just about having that rejection filled with something else other than, you know, the love of God as we know. Mm. Wow. And how long were you a drug addict? Seven years. Seven yeah. Years. You know, I was from 11 all the way to oh, in eight years, actually. Yeah. 19 is when, when I, when I, when I was getting ready to just end it all, you know, and then wow. I gave my life to the Lord at that point. Wow. So from 11 years old, all the way to mm -hmm. like 19 yeah. years old. Wow. That's heavy, man. That's heavy. So how did you even being a drug addict? By just having uh, at that young age, how did you function in school being that young? I just dropped out. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so at age 11, you dropped out completely? Well, no, I, I mean, I started drugs at 11, but you asked how I maintained it throughout those years. I think by the time I was in high school, because that was junior high, uh, I ended up just dropping out because mm. it was just, it was, you know, just, I just wanted to party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now, through all those years, 
is there is there maybe uh, one story that you could share that um, maybe uh, something that happened to you that you'll never forget during those years that you know that's a drug addict. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, I believe in the supernatural. You know, I think I was sharing before we started recording with uh, one of the brothers. You know, you have to believe in the supernatural. Mm -hmm. And what opens up things in the supernatural is obviously drugs, addictions, hallucinates, all that. I'll never forget the night when I was looking at, a, a, it was like an eight ball. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at it in the bathroom. And as I was looking at this eight ball. I heard a voice and it was a demonic voice. Mm -hmm. And the voice said, this is your soul. And that was it. And I'll never forget that day because mm. that was the day my, my heart was gripped with the fear of God. Like, whoa, no, I'm literally yeah. tweaking every night. And I heard the devil's voice tell me, this is your soul. Wow. And I just flushed that thing down the toilet. It was an eight ball. I mean, yeah. back then I was like, yeah. I don't know, 200 bucks. Yeah, like, oh money. man. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. And so I was tweaked out of my mind, but then the next day I went back and I need another eight ball. You know, like, I don't know what's going on, but that's, that was an experience that really opened me up to the, to the supernatural realm because, you know, obviously now we, as we minister for the Lord and we do the work of God, we, we operate and function in the supernatural, mm -hmm. but that, you know, all things work for the good that love God. Yeah. But that was an experience I'll never forget. Wow, that's that's crazy, man. That's that's heavy because I have my own experiences too, where I even to this day some people, some might say like, man, like, like they might not believe me, but the supernatural is real, man. Definitely, you know, definitely even uh, even coming from my my family's background, my mom's side of the family, there's curanderos, you know, there's a lot of witchcraft, uh, you know, um, uh, her dad, you know, like he made a pact with the devil, you know, like. It's a lot of different things, man, but that's that's some that's some heavy stuff, Pastor. Definitely. Definitely. So when 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 was your breaking point, you know, as as a as a as a drug addict before you made that before you kinda um you kinda make that step forward? Like was that your breaking point or like did you have to experience something in order to make a decision, like to uh to change or you know, or you know, just just do better? Yeah, I think that was the beginning of, of really the end of what ha was happening in my childhood, my teenage years. Uh, because like I said, I grew up, and the reason why I brought up the religious background is mm -hmm. because, you know, when people believe in certain things, superstitions, cuanderas, brudejida, uh, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it really is for the sake of protection. Mm. And it's really because they need something to believe in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people misunderstand that unless they're, unless they're outright making a pact with the devil mm -hmm. and they know what they're doing, they're anti-Christ. My family has always been religious in that sense. And so I, there, was, there was always God seated in my life. Mm. You know, I didn't know who God was, but there was God seated in my life. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Romans 8.28 says, all things work for the good that love God that are called according to his mm -hmm. purpose. And so God knew exactly what he was doing mm -hmm. when that seed was planted in me about this, this is your soul, as, a, as I heard that voice. Because it set up the salvation for the day. I mean, I didn't do anything. The Lord rescued me. Come on. He died on the cross for me. That's right. And he gracefully gave me salvation. So there's nothing I can say or do that can earn that salvation. Mm -hmm. And I just went to rock bottom and I said, I'm just tired of this life. I had a gun to my head. I'll never forget it. I said, if there's more, I said, God, if there's more to this, then so be it. Let mm -hmm. it happen. 
And I'll never forget, I didn't pull the trigger that night. And within three days, I ran into a, a, a family member who was a believer, spirit-filled, who had been telling me she'd been praying for me. And when she had prayed for me, she brought me to church that weekend. And that was the life, that was the day I gave my life to the Lord, February 22nd, 1995. And the preacher was preaching on hell. And, you know, I, I didn't want my name written. I wanted my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life mm. from what he preached. Come on, I'll never forget the message, but it was a heaven or hell message. And, and that's that literally scared the hell out of me. <laughs> but at the same time, it brought me to the place of wanting, uh, wanting to receive Christ and giving my heart to him because I was sick and tired of drug addiction. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, so we say. Mm. So you will say that, that that person was the first person that evangelized to you? That, that family member, that that person that you mentioned. Well, evangelize in, in that context. Okay. I think she was. I think she was a Holy Spirit set up because she okay. had been praying for me, and I had seen her. So she didn't really evangelize. She just brought me to church. Okay. Um, the, the gospel was seated that Sunday uh, from the preacher, but God used her to bring me mm. to church. And um, you know, I guess in in in, I mean, in our in our thinking, evangelism. Yeah, I mean, she probably did, but. She was praying for me. She was more like interceding for my mm. salvation. Mm. She was a bridge. Yeah. So who you say, even uh, bef so before before that individual, did had, did anybody evangelize to you? Like did, did anybody give you a track? Did anybody, you know, minister to you? Uh, it was that was your first encounter. I think because of track. that supernatural experience in the bathroom, then I believe the Holy Spirit set me up. Mm. You know, and then that's when. I was introduced to Victor Outreach later after I, got, I gave my life to the Lord. Mm. Uh, someone gave me a men's home flyer, brought me to, to, to Victor Outreach Church, uh, and that's when I went to the men's home. Mm -hmm. uh, but prior to that, it was really just the seed, again, mm -hmm. because of my, my family background, religious background, there was God seated in me, mm. and that's what I said. God, if you're real. I didn't even know who God was. Mm -hmm. I just said, God, if you're real, show me, you know? Yeah, 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 especially because you grew up seeing so many different gods. You know, your family, so it's almost like, so which one is this one? <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, so so after you went to that church and you heard that message from hell, um, how were you, how did you, um, how did you transition? Because that wasn't a Victor Irish church, right? No. Okay, so how, how were you, how did you transition from that church? How were you connected to Victor Irish after that? Yeah, good question. I mean, someone invited me to service. Uh, they met me there Friday night. Uh, I was still using drugs after I gave my life to the Lord. And so um, when I when I went to church service that night, I said, you know, I just don't, because I mean, at some point, at that point, I didn't want to do drugs no more. Mm -hmm. So right. there was a battle between really heaven and hell, right? And there was a spiritual battle. And, you know, I didn't believe that, okay, this was happening, but then it happened. And so when I went to the church, Victor Arts Church, um, the home was open, and I said, hey, can I go in the home? And the pastor, you know, at first, well, we're waiting because we're at a world conference. There was a world conference, and we're waiting. When we come back, we'll let people in. Mm. But then that's when he said, you know what, why don't you come in now? And so mm. it was really the Lord moving in that moment, uh, and that was in Santa Maria, uh, Victor Outreach, when that moment happened. So powerful, powerful moment, I believe, because had he said no, I mean, the Lord put it in his heart right, right. for me to go into the home. So. Wow, okay. And you were 19 years old when that happened? Uh, I was about 21, 20, yeah, 22 now. 22 yep. now? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Wow. So um, did you did your whole year in the home, or did you have, like, kind of like that 
kind of like that story, you know, when people come into the home, they leave after three months, they come back. Yeah, I have that story. I got blessed out probably like at six months. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I went to the Philippines with one of our elders, and then uh, I ran the youth ministry, and then uh, they just, when I came back from the Philippines, I got blessed out of the home and started what we call uh, re-entry or second phase. Mm. Oh, snap. So after that six months, uh, you just went straight into missionary work. Uh, it wasn't really missionary work. It was more of an exposure trip. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was like a 30-day exposure trip mm -hmm. with uh, Pastor Steve Pineda, one of our elders. Mm -hmm. And um, we went to the Philippines, and then I came back. And from there, I went to the second phase. And then uh, a year after that, went to the UTC in the East Coast. Okay. So you being Filipino descent, was that the first time you went to your country? Yeah. 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 How was that experience? Oh, it was How great. Was I'll never forget it. Yeah, I think uh, for me... It was twofold. Number one, because I'm going for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then number two, just to see, you know, where, where my parents came from and where my mm -hmm. family, my, my, my old family lineage came mm -hmm. from. So that was pretty powerful to see that. And then, and then being with one of our elders, who's mm -hmm. now with the Lord, right. was really a, a, you know, grace to be part of mm -hmm. that whole experience. And so it's never left me. It's still in me. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, going back to the Philippines this year in October Ooh, for, uh, for a crusade. So excited for that. Yeah. Man, man, I wish I could go. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So based on, 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 on your trip when you went, um, what was the type of need you've seen in that country? Like, uh, was their need different than the ones you used to have seen in, in Santa Maria or, you know, in San Diego? Like, what's, uh, what are some things that you noticed over there that was like, that probably opened your eyes and were like, oh, snaps, you know? Like, mm. Like, what are some things that you, that you noticed that... Yeah, good question. I think, you know, I was just in Tijuana, Mexico uh, a few weeks ago, and then also Ensenada. Uh, and when you look at the, um, the comparisons of these different countries, third world countries, a lot of its influences come from the same, same root, you know? These were Spaniard countries. A lot of Spaniard religion was, it was imposed into the countries. A lot of mm -hmm. uh, statue religion, a lot of, you know, Catholicism. Right, uh, a lot of different types of demonic influences. So, when you when you talk about a need, I mean, we obviously see the need on a physical level, but spiritually, you can see a need, and that's when the thing I probably felt the most was just the burden of the people. Okay, you know, um, I think when you go to these different places, uh, it, you know, in America, you know, it's it's because the gospel is westernized, we see things differently. Mm -hmm. We don't see a lot of the supernatural needs, but. You're seeing a lot of that now, today, because people are now believing more in the supernatural than ever before. Mm. Um, it's just, it's a different kind of poverty. You know, it's a spiritual poverty, you know, and that's what Jesus said about the lukewarm church. You know, you look good on the outside, mm. but on the inside, it's like really you're suffering. You right, know? right, right. And that's the state of religion, you know. Mm. So you see that need mm. across the board. You know, outside of the physical needs, you know, of course, food, yeah, shelter. yeah, yeah. Uh, all the different physical things that the government, you know, either controls or doesn't control. Mm -hmm. But spiritually speaking, you see a need for, um, you know, for the gospel. Mm, okay. Wow, that's uh, that's heavy and and probably a lot of idolatry, right? You know, they... yeah. I mean, statue religions, Catholicism, uh, Santeria, San Muerte. Mm. Um, that's in Filipino terms, same thing. Santo Nino. It's the same thing. It's the yeah. Queen of Heaven. Jeremiah 31 talks about it. So oh, okay. it's it's all the same. The devil paints himself and masks himself as an angel of light. Mm -hmm. So really, it doesn't matter what name is on there. 
it's the same deception. Yeah, yeah, nah, for sure, for sure. So, so after that, you mentioned that you uh, you came back home, and then you went to the to the East Coast UTC. Now, that's how that's the, was that when the train center just barely started? I think it started in 1998, and I went to in 2001. Okay. So about four, maybe four years after, Pastorella and Georgina had started already. Oh, okay. And then I think they had turned it over at that time to uh, another director and his wife. Mm -hmm. And that's when um, you know, I, I went to the UTC. Oh, okay. And, you, and uh, during that time, were they doing the six-month track, or the one-year track? Or it was uh, like... I went for six months. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, was. I went for six months, too. <laughs> Come on now. Okay, and so when you went to the East, uh, was that the first time you ever visited the East Coast? That time, yes. Yeah, and um, uh, what was your experience over there like? Like as far as like maybe places you visited or like or things you've seen or, or maybe what did you get out of the, the UTC like after those six months? Yeah, yeah, great question. I mean, there was, there was things that the Lord spoke to me about. You know, I went for a personal experience as the Lord spoke to me about going. Um, you know, really spoke to me concerning the call of God upon my life, you know, really uh, allowing me to see, you know, where where I was at spiritually, allowing me to see what I needed spiritually, um, and just built relationships, you know, mm -hmm. throughout the ministry. Uh, the vision, you know, we're next to the vision firsthand. Uh, we have such a powerful movement, you know. God has given us such a grace with Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie that our movement is so powerful throughout mm -hmm. the world that when you're in that that vein of meeting the needs and seeing the needs, mm -hmm. you're, you're just like, you get burdened even more. I mm -hmm. got exposed to New York, I got exposed to uh, Philadelphia, I got exposed to Baltimore, so the mm -hmm. East Coast in general, it was just, wow. You, you talk about two sides of the coin, you know, you got the West Coast and East Coast, I mean, there's a need everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. really what I got out of it was a personal experience uh, with the Lord, and then number two, just the need, that there's a need throughout the world, and um, you know, it, it was just a great, great experience for me being in the training center mm. man that's a, that's some real stuff because uh, that's that's actually where i met you i met you at that uh new york crusade yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, we went to philadelphia and then mm -hmm. went to new york and uh you know it's crazy that um like stockton's a very bad city right but i remember right there in philly when we went to uh there was a big strip mm. And, and you know you see people that they can't even shoot and yeah. so then they in the middle of their the yeah. toes yeah they were shooting that's know? crazy huh? And, yeah and it was like that was that was crazy that was that was the, the first time i've ever seen something like that wow. you know and then we went to this park called needle park yeah. and the grass was so high and nobody was allowed to walk because the moment you walk a little bit, there's a bunch of needles bunch that of needles down yeah no i remember that i remember that with that that uh, that definitely uh, you know exposed me to you know to the need in other yeah, cities. Yeah. You know? Well, sin's universal. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what country, what language we speak. Sin is sin. It's what separates us from the Lord. And I love what Paul said. He said, "Where sin abounds, grace abounds even mm -hmm. more." Come on. And so I think that's one thing I've taken away. I just came from these coast. I was just in uh, New York last mm -hmm. week, yeah, in Philadelphia that, two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. So. Uh, it, the need's still there. I mean, mm -hmm. people still on fentanyl, people still standing like statues, people uh, still, you know, needing the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it's all over the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's crazy also that, uh, like, even, like, I'm thinking about your journey, right? I'm thinking about how you're living your soul, then you had that experience in the church, and then you came to the men's home, Philippines, 
than UTC. And you know what's crazy that a lot of times we can go through we can go through this whole journey in the beginning of our salvation and even uh, and we can get get exposed to a lot of things and we can also do a lot of labor and never truly experience the, experiencing the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like um, like I remember clearly, I remember this one time at, a, at one of our world conferences. I remember um, yeah, our founder asked, uh, Pastor Senior and Sony Senior, he asked like, how many of you guys have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. And it was like, it wasn't a lot of people, it wasn't a lot of crowd. So my question to you, Pastor, is this. When did you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I think it's a, subse- it's a subsequentious experience. And in, mm. in other words, it's right after salvation, right? The gift of salvation, then you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, to me, when I first had the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, unknown tongues, mm. was in the prayer closet at the men's home. Mm. Uh, it, it was just a moment where I was just lifting my hands and I asked the Holy Spirit to fill me. I asked the Lord to fill me. I asked for his spirit. And next thing you know, I'm speaking in mm-hmm. these tongues, which may sound, you know, a little, you know, it might sound like rambling in the beginning. But mm-hmm. at the end, it was really making sense mm-hmm. in my spirit mm-hmm. and what I was praying. And even at that moment when I was asking the Lord, show me, you know, where I can go from here. And uh, the interpretation of tongues at the, at the same time began to happen. And that's when I spoke Manila out of my, my, my tongue language at that time. So I felt, I believe it was a baptism. I believe it was an interpretation. And I believe it was just a supernatural encounter that happened, uh, which has never left me. And to this mm-hmm. day, I, I ask the Lord every day, give me new tongues, baptize me, mm-hmm. fill me once again. Because, you know, it's, it's without measure. It's, out, you know, mm-hmm. it's a refill. It's like a prescription. Mm. You got to get refilled every now and then, but I like to get refilled every day. Mm. You know? Wow! If I could touch a little bit on that, so you're saying, so you're saying that when when you feel the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you begin to speak in Manila. Yeah. So what happened was I was speaking in tongues, sha ba 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 ba, you know, like just the, the the common, I guess, the common language of tongues. And then what happened was I said, Lord, show me where you like me to go next from the men's home. Oh. And then the manila came out oh, of my mouth. You know? wow. And I interpreted it, and it took me like three manilas to come out. As it was coming, ma, la, ba, 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 na, la, 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 ma, na. I was speaking out manila. Mm. And the Lord had revealed to me that manila was where I was going to go next. Mm-hmm. And then within a few days, I think the next day, the pastor asked me if mm. I would be willing to go to manila, Philippines with Dang, Pastor Steve. That's crazy. You know? Wow. Supernatural. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And before that, you never spoke that language? No, never no. spoke in tongues. I mean, I don't remember. I mean, I got saved. Yeah. Now I'm saying like uh, the, the Filipino, the Manila language. Well, Manila was the word that came out. So oh, that was the city. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I, I, didn't, okay. I didn't speak in tongues before that. No. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's crazy that uh, like I've, I've, uh, I've, seen, like I've seen people that so sometimes when when they feel the bad, when they experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, they begin to speak a different, not just tongues, but a different language, like a, like Russian, and they yeah. were they're not Russian, yeah. but they begin to speak uh, like uh, like Hebrew, yeah. you know, uh, and, and they're not Hebrew, you know, but it comes out, you know what I'm saying, and you know, uh, I think uh, I think it's amazing how, you know, we serve a universal God, yeah, you know, uh, and. Uh, 
Man, that's, that's powerful. Yeah, well, 1 Corinthians 14 says, he that speaks in a tongue, an unknown tongue, speak it unto God. Mm -hmm. So you can speak a known tongue in a native language, but this is what I tell a lot of people all the time when we pray for the baptism. Like Chinese speak Chinese, right? Like China speaks Chinese. Filipinos speak Filipino. Hispanic speaks Spanish. But God has an unknown tongue that only our spirit bears witness to. Mm -hmm. So when those encounters happen, like Hebrew or Chinese, um, I'll never forget an encounter I had in Las Vegas. I was speaking to somebody. They were Chinese. And so I went for it. You know, I started speaking in tongues. And I really believed the Lord allowed me to speak Chinese to them. And there was mm -hmm. a ministry message behind it to whoever mm. was there and so um yeah it's a supernatural phenomenon that even scientists can't argue with yeah, facts you know yeah so. for sure okay all right so so now after you experienced that you mentioned also that uh you know that you you uh you became like a youth leader and 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 uh so and uh, when you first got saved and then you, you, um, you know, you did all these different things for the ministry, and, well, of course, and for God, um, in your heart, what did you always felt that you wanted to do for God? Like, did you always have kind of like, man, I want to be a pastor, or maybe I would like to be a missionary? Like, what was, what was your, um, kind of like your dream, or like the thing that you always felt like, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... My, my goal, my dream, or my, my, mo my desire was always to tell people about Jesus mm. from day one. And so as years develop, you know, as time happened, you know, I, in the men's home again, Ephesians 4, 12 tells us since he gave some to be evangelists, apostles, prophets, teachers, and pastors. Mm -hmm. And so in the, in the men's home, the Lord spoke to me about being an evangelist. And when I realize what an evangelist is, it's really just winning souls to Christ. And that's what I do every day. Um, there's not a day that goes by where I don't tell someone about Jesus. Like even today, just coming into Stockton, I was in the restaurant, and there's a couple that walked in and with their children. And I asked them, is there anything I can pray for? Because that's what we're supposed to do without a title. You know, we're supposed to do it as believers. Yeah. And so, and the only fulfillment you'll ever receive is what Paul told Timothy do the work of an evangelist mm. and that's to preach the good news you know that's tell right. people about jesus christ i mean in a world where there's bad news the only good news that we can bring is jesus mm -hmm. so to me it's not a dream uh it's not a title it's not you know some special seating uh, it, to me it's just depopulating hell and populating heaven wow Come and, on, it, and if you can see the eternal riches behind it mm. I mean, there's so many people, again, they're looking for truth. And that's what I've been wanting to do since I first gave my life to Christ. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the work of the evangelist, right? Mm. And even as a youth pastor, that's what I did. I, I would just win people to Christ and tell them about Jesus. And, you know, are there days where maybe I haven't? Yes. But my, old, my overall goal is to tell people about Christ. Mm. Okay. Man, that's, uh, that's heavy, man. That's heavy. Um, you know, uh, depopulating hell. Come on now. And that is true because even even the gain, you know, we get out of that, you know, it's eternal. You know, it's uh it outweighs anything you could get on earth. Yeah. Well you're the last we're the last point. Like between you and your family, you're the last person standing between heaven and hell. If I don't tell my family, who will? You're not mm -hmm. gonna tell my family. Listen. You're not gonna call my brother and my sister. That's right. I have to call my brother and sister and tell them about Jesus Christ. And so when we start looking at it in that perspective, Acts 16, 31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your whole household. And when we go before the Lord on rapture day, on judgment day, which is really 
not judgment of condemnation or hell, but it's really the judging of our works because mm-hmm. it'll be tried through fire. Mm-hmm. So those missed opportunities, the Lord is going to say, what happened on these days when I put this person in front of you? Mm-hmm. And we decided not to tell them about Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, I live with that thought, like thinking, man, I got to tell someone about Jesus. Mm-hmm. As the Lord leads, like that family, I couldn't walk by them. I went to the restroom. I couldn't walk by them without asking them or sharing with them. It just was just burning in my spirit. Now, they may have rejected me, face value, but the seed was planted, Mm -hmm. which I believe one plants, one waters, and God gives the increase, Mm -hmm. Paul said. So when you you live in that thought of the supernatural, I am convinced somebody comes behind me and tells them about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of... um, there's a lot of eternal riches, like you said, that are involved. Mm-hmm. And when we go home to heaven, we're going to see the rewards. Yeah. We're going to see, like, yeah. ah, you know, you are talking about, I heard this evangelist earlier, Reinhard Bonnke would win millions of people to Christ. And so he went millions and millions and millions of people to Christ. Yeah. And one day I said, Lord, and, and, you know, because this is what we do sometimes as humans. We try to compare ourselves. We try to compete. And we try to say we're better than that person, whether it's evangelism, whether it's teaching, whether it's whatever, right? But that's, that's the Cain and Abel spirit. You know, that's where the Cain spirit from the beginning tried to take his brother out because mm-hmm. of comparison, you know? Mm. And so I said, Lord, forgive me, but how do I become like Reinhard Bonnke? You know, because then, you know, you put yourself in that, that position of competing. <laughs> Come on. But then the Lord said, well, you both get the same reward. And he took me to the parable where the, the workers worked from the morning all the way to the end of the day. And then the owner went out and hired more people to work in the same vineyard. And they both got paid the same. Both, all parties got paid the same. That's the, good. The beginning, the middle, and the end. That's good. And the owner said, I can do whatever I want. This is my vineyard, and I'm going to pay you. And you all agreed to work for one denarii. Mm. And so in that parable, there's a very important That's lesson. good, man. There's, a, there's an important lesson yes, there. Yes. Yeah. We all get the same eternal reward mm. getting into heaven. And it doesn't matter how many souls you save. It doesn't matter how many souls I save. The point of the matter is we need to save souls mm-hmm. and not compare and compete and Come just on. go do what God's called you to do. Because I can't do what you do. And you can't do what I do. Mm-hmm. But we could all evangelize. Yeah. We could all tell people about Jesus. Come on, Pastor. You're speaking my language right now. That's powerful. That's, uh, man, what, um, man that's, uh, that's, that's some real stuff. Because I honestly think that one, uh, one, of the biggest, um, one of the biggest things that we go through as Christians is comparison. You know, it's comparison. That's, that's, that's like... That's one of the biggest things. It leads to discouragement. It leads to a lot of things. But um, um, one of my favorite quotes, quotes from Rayhard Bunky, and I always like to quote it. You know, he, he, he always says this. It says, uh, evangelism might seem hard to people. He goes like, but seeing people go to hell is even harder. Mm, Man, that's a, that's a heavy one. That's a heavy that's one. That's powerful. So, so now... So now um, Moving, uh, moving on from, from kind of like transition from that point is um, when did you, because you said in the home you, you, you felt that, uh, you know, that, that pressing of uh, an evangelist. How, when, when did you step into that? Like uh, how did that calling came where you became a, a full-time evangelist? Yeah. Like where, when, when did that transition came about when, you know, it goes from, it's just, it just that, that step, 
you know yeah. what I'm saying? And you and you and you and you carry that mantle. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you pick up that mantle and you know, like um when did that happen and how did it happen? Well, I mean there's there's always the um there's always the other side of the story that nobody sees, you know, and I think that's where we see the glory of things and we see the travel, we see the different locations, we see the different places. But there's also a story behind everything. And I think the Lord, you know, with his grace, uh, the Bible says that his grace is sufficient for me and that there's safety found in a multitude of counselors. I was in one of the most darkest seasons, my wife and I, not too long ago, where we just really didn't know what God had next. You know, we went through a season of really dark, dark seasons, you know, and uh, I was working full time and, you know, I was in a position in my heart where, you know, it became really religious and routine uh, and it just wasn't just, okay, well, I mean, this church thing is okay. I mean, I'm done with ministry. Uh, I've been hurt. People have let me down. I've been disappointed. Mm. Uh, you know, you feel again that, that, that sense of rejection. You feel that sense of being pushed out. And at that point, I mean, I thought I was done with God, you know, and, you know, when I became, um, open to what God wanted to do again, and that was because there was such a, a move of God in my local church. You know, I thank God for leadership that he believe and empower, you know, my pastors, Pastor Ellen Georgina, that really uh, God used to empower my life with the understanding of the call of God and never giving up on me. So I really attribute a lot of that period to, uh, you know, of course to the Lord. But, you know, to my pastors and my wife who never stopped praying for me. Mm. Uh, and that's one thing I will share with anybody watching. Like, you know, your local covering, your pastors, the people that God puts in your life are very important because safety is found in the multitude of counselors. You know, there is no one person bigger than all, you mm -hmm. know, in the body of Christ. You know, one person may have talent and giftings and abilities, mm -hmm. but we work together as a team. And so when God spoke to me about transitioning, it was in that period. It was either going to give myself fully to a job. I mean, we had two cars, vehicles. We had a discipleship home. I was set. I was like, okay, we just do ministry just like this. I was making money. But in the reality, I wasn't spiritually fulfilling what God wanted me to do. Purpose. And so a lot of times it's masked that way. You know, like as long as you have a car, as long as you're good in your church, you have your wife and, you know, you're a leader in the church, you're good. But in reality, it could be masked and could be deceptive mm -hmm. because Man, is that good. what really God wants for you? That's right. And so just because God put me in a position of work at work where I was in a very prominent position, high position, uh, I was traveling, I was making a lot of money, but it wasn't the call of God. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. and Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Mm -hmm. So, God will God allow things to happen? Yes, of course, because he's, he's not he's not going to impose himself or force mm -hmm. himself. But it was was it really the perfect will of God for my life? And that's the question I had to ask the Lord and, and even my wife. And so, at that point, my pastor came up to me, and that's when you know things started changing. Uh, revival hit my heart. Uh, my heart was revived, you know, uh, it, my body was quickened by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. uh, broke, repented. I mean, I'm still repenting. I'm still broken. I'm still asking God to be with me. Uh, but that moment was a transitional moment. It was an experience, uh, what I call the born again experience. Mm. You know, Nicodemus said, how can a man become born mm -hmm. again? Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, your spirit becomes born again. Mm. And so at that moment, that's when I said yes to the Lord. I said, whatever you want me to do from here, God. I mean, I was making I mean, almost $200,000 a year. You know, mm. we had a couple cars and it was, but now it's like eternity, mm. you know. So 
it had to take a dark season in my life mm -hmm. for transition. I wish I could say something different, but that's not how God wrote it. Mm -hmm. It's just really when God speaks to somebody, he puts them in a place of encounter, just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, everybody will have their moment of encounter. Mm -hmm. We think we're ready, but in reality, we're not, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just really putting us in that place of, okay, God, we need you. Yeah. No, that's real. That's real. Uh, I can relate to a lot of you said with that for sure. Um, so uh, after after you after you went through that season, um, how how um, how was the call presented to you? Was it like through a dream? Did Pastor Al just came up to you and, was, and said like, "I see this in you. What do you think?" Yeah. You know, or like or like how, like how how was it how was it presented to you before you said like before you said the yes. Like, uh, how, how, like, how was it presented to you? Like, yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, yeah, Pastor Al walked up to me, and, and we were talking one day, and he said, you know, maybe you should start going out as an evangelist, mm. you know? And, and I confirmed with what the Lord had already been speaking to me about, um, you know, since the men's home and since the years and then the different episodes of my life. Mm -hmm. um, again, going back to what I said earlier, telling people about Jesus. You know, that's what, it, that's what an evangelist does. Mm -hmm. uh, in the office of an evangelist, you're learning how to work with other evangelists, uh, training them, equipping them for whatever ministry God gives them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another responsibility that God gives, like a Billy Graham, Mar Cirillo, a Mara Marillo, Right Harm Bonke. In our ministry, we had Philip McCrew Sr. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Pastor Sonny sent him out to be an evangelist mm -hmm. within our ministry context. So you have these, these evangelists with office gifts that really represent Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, Pastor Al walked up to me. He was at his house. I'll never forget it. And he said, hey, what do you think about going out as an evangelist? I said, yeah. And that's when, you know, he launched me out as an evangelist uh, within Victory Outreach. And, you know, ever since that day, here I am, you know, I've been going and God's opened tremendous doors in, in favor. And, and I just really attribute that to the grace. Uh, it's nothing that I've asked for or nothing I've said and nothing I've done. It's really about God's grace and the favor of God. Uh, that's before me and, and and you know it's to me eternally it's paid off um, in in the sense of knowing where people are going um, when they leave earth mm -hmm. and I've been in moments where I've been in hospitals I've been in moments where I've been in services I've been in moments where the very next day they've gone home to be with the Lord and to be in that life-changing moment mm -hmm. eternity wise mm -hmm. it's it's such a powerful powerful mm -hmm. encounter because you're literally dealing with somebody's soul. Mm -hmm. It's not a title for me. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's heavy. That's heavy. That's heavy. You said that. I just, I just, uh, I just read this, um, this thing, this book that said um, there was this pastor, right? That uh, every, before he preaches on Sunday morning, he does hospital visits on Saturday nights, so that so that he could be able to preach with eternity on his mind on Sunday morning. That's our remembrance, man. Man, Pastor, that's heavy. Well, there's a book, there's a story in the Bible where there's a chasm between Lazarus and the poor man. Mm -hmm. And so, or the rich, the rich king is what it is, right? The rich king. And so, remember he asked, can I go back and tell my brothers? Mm -hmm. And he was begging Father Abraham. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the king, you know, he, he, he rejected Lazarus, right? The poor, the beggar. And he was coming and he was asking for help and he rejected him. And, uh, and, and I'm just paraphrasing so I could be wrong on the names, but 
there was a great chasm that separated them. And when you look at the reality of that passage, I mean, that really is it. We're like the balance. Mm. So every day, <laughs> to me, every day, someone's, you know, uh, someone's facing eternity. Right, right. Wow, Pastor. So um, I want to ask you three last questions sure. before we close. Oh, man, I wish I could just, I could just dive into this subject. But, um, you know, before we close, we always like to ask these three questions. Uh, um, if there was, um, you know, hypothetically speaking, if you could travel back in time or meet a younger you, a 11-year-old, 9-year-old, 12-year-old, if there's something, if there's like a, a piece of advice you will give your, your old self, your old you, your young you, um, what age would it be and what would you say? Well, I mean, at 11, what I would say to myself is Jesus loves you. Mm. That's heavy. And that's crazy because a lot of times we can say like, don't do this, don't do that, don't go over there. And sometimes that's all we really need to hear. You know, wow, that's heavy, Pastor. Imagine someone telling you that they loved you at 11 years old. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just the word love alone, brother, mm-hmm. could change somebody's life. That would have changed my life for sure. That would have changed my life. Dang, <laughs> that's heavy. Now, now I know there's a time where we all know we're, you know, we're we're gonna take our last breath. We all know that we're gonna go and, and go home and be with, with the Lord. Um, now, in those gravestones, there's certain the scriptures, you know, that, that are written. What, what would you like it being written on yours, if you had the choice? Yeah, I would tell my wife, put a man that loved God. A man that loved God. Mm. Well, there it is, of God. That's powerful. You know, so right there at home, right there where you guys are at, um, you know, uh, if you, uh, if you, if you related to anything, you know, and, uh, and maybe you went through the same things. Maybe right now you're actually in a place in your life where just like, just like evangelist Tim Rivar said that you felt that you're going to church, you're doing ministry and you're in this routine, you know, and you haven't really felt the refreshment or the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you right there at home, you know, or, or even if, uh, you know, you have family members, you know, that are going through a lot of different things or they, you know, they're involved in other, uh, you know, in other religions, you know, and they worship, you know, you know, they, 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 are, they worship different idols, you know, we want to pray for you, you know. And also, you know, like if you feel the call of God, you know what I mean? If you feel that call of God, we want to pray for you. Amen. Because just like Evangelist Tim said, uh, you know, we're, we're the balance. You know, we are the balance, you know. And uh, we, uh, we got to think constantly with uh, eternity in our minds. So right there where you at, maybe if a pastor, if you want to. Yeah, you know, just... be honored. So I feel the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. so powerful, you know. And uh, whether you're watching this on the rebroadcast or even as you're there watching this, 
Uh, I really believe someone's watching today that is uh, really being seated with hope. You know, and, and, and I'm, I'm prophesying to those that are watching that, you know, God will turn it around. Romans 8.20 says, all things work for the good that love God, that are called according to his purpose. You know, whether it's sickness, whether it's disease, whether it's torment, whether it's mental challenges, we know that God is, is a healer. Isaiah 53 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon his, the chastisement that brought us peace and by his stripes we are healed. So I, I pray over your life today that you receive these words that would bring healing, that would bring a turnaround, and that would bring change, even, now, even if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior mm -hmm. and Lord. Yes. Today would be the day that you would assure that. Because you could be in church, and you could be a leader, and you could be in the building, mm -hmm. but still not know Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, 22 says, many that will come and say they prophesied and cast out demons, but on that day, I will say I never knew you. Know Christ today. Mm. Know Jesus as Lord, as Savior. And so, Father, I thank you for every person watching. Yes. And I just pray that whatever was open uh, in their life that this ministered to them in, that, God, you would bring healing in that wound. Uh, there's even people that have been hurt in church watching this today, yes. and, and you've been hurt by pastors, you've been hurt by leaders, I'm going to give you something that's going to be very powerful that will unlock your freedom. Use the F word, forgive. And as you forgive, God will release a supernatural favor in your life, a favor that you have not experienced in years. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that today. So I thank you, Jesus, that you're releasing that over them. I thank you for those that are watching, receiving healing in their body. Nothing is too hard for you as it is written, Jeremiah 32, 27. Nothing is too hard for you. Lord, we know that no flesh will glory in your presence. And the Holy Spirit, just touch whoever's watching. God, you're touching this room right now as we speak. And you're moving in a very profound way. And so we thank you today. For this interview, we thank you for Abishai and this podcast and all those that are working on the technicalities and the video. I pray the blessings and the favor and the supernatural peace of God to fall upon their lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, man. Wow. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank and you. it was a privilege to be here. Thank you. And thank Pastor Carlos and Athena again. And bring greetings from my pastors, Pastor and Georgina. Amen. So right there, there you guys have it. Uh, don't forget, amen, to like, subscribe, amen, and follow us on Instagram, Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. See you guys on Season 3. We have something special for you on Season 3. We're branching out. We're going to have different programs. We're having different programs. This is just this, is just this one. We're having multiple cast behind the pulpit. We're going to go through certain themes with just ministers. And then we're going to have one where we're going to be interviewing people in the streets. Don't wow. forget. God bless you. Amen. Hey everybody, we just got done with a powerful, powerful podcast. And right now to all the viewers who are watching, all the listeners, we want you to like, share, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Spotify. And if you do not belong to a local church, you can find us on Waterloo Road 2725. We are here, we are a church, and we are open, and we are going to reach our city for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you. God bless you. The devil put work in my city. That's why they need God's word in my city.